Good evening, everyone, and welcome to NMP Talk Show. And this evening, we'll be taking you on a journey. Uh, it's a beautiful journey of overcoming an addiction and 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 things like those. Um, a lot of people are going through a lot uh, in these days, and you know when we have somebody that can talk them through, it becomes b better, and you can also feel that you're not alone out there. So today I'm with my special guest, and his name is, as you can see, Chocolate Yoda. Um, and and I, I'm going to ask him to explain where it's coming from before we get into the meat of the things. Um, <laughs> I, I th I'm thinking you're thinking about Star Wars, uh, but yeah, he, he'll give us the, the idea of where he's got, gotten there. We're also streaming on Riverside.fm, and we're streaming on Telegram. So if you connected on Telegram, You'll be able to raise your hand there to ask a question or even uh, to comment and on riverside fm you have a, a chat option you can type your your question you can type your your comment we'll be able to see it ready to uh, our uh, special guest so we're looking forward to hearing from you we're also looking forward to hearing from our special guest chocolate yoda welcome to nmp talk show <laughs> thank you so much for having me yes it's always a pleasure now I'm I'm thinking a lot who be listening here will be asking it themselves. Chocolate Yoda. How does chocolate and Yoda come together? <laughs> well, um back in 2010 uh that nickname was given to me and for the people listening uh in my case Yoda is spelled Y O D D A H and I do that because uh film studios are litigious. And uh, even though, of course, it brings you uh, into the mind of Star Wars, the fact is, is that Star Wars did not come up with their name Yoda, which is spelled slightly differently. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually a Sanskrit name, and it uh, means hero. Um, in my case, uh, a young lady gave me that nickname, a woman who I was coaching and giving advice to. Uh, said you're like a chocolate Yoda, and I and I can only assume that chocolate comes from the beautiful tone of my skin, and uh, and Yoda comes from uh, I suppose my wisdom and my ability to give good coaching advice. Awesome. So so uh, for the benefit of the audience, uh, Chocolate Yoda is a keynote speaker, a seminar leader, a coach, and a consultant. So if you're ever looking for somebody to coach you and a consultant. Or even to to take your your seminars to another level, he's the man for you. So thank you once again for joining us and uh, explaining how you got in the chocolate yoda. Um, <laughs> sure. I was thinking chocolate. Maybe you were giving out chocolates there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a different yeah. different story there. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's jump in then. Um, chocolate yoda. Uh, we're talking about your journey in recovery. Mm-hmm. And that's how we coined the show uh, this evening. My my journey in recovery, personal development saved my life. Can you take us from the beginning, if you can, on, on how you got in to tra transform to who you are? Where do you come from? Sure. Um, it started in uh, 1987 when I was 23 years old. And... Like most people who decide to change their life, um, my life was very painful at the time. 
as a 23-year-old person, I was an idiot, and I was hurting myself constantly. And it wasn't just uh, substance abuse, because the interesting thing about any recovery that you engage in, and I, I, I won't mention the the organization that I was part of, because you're not supposed to mention that stuff publicly, but it was one of the anonymous rooms, and like all of them, they have a, a basic text, which is essentially an instruction manual, like, you know, what is recovery, how do you do it, right? Mm -hmm. And on the first page, it said, drugs were not your problem. So that was a surprise, because I thought, of course, drugs were the problem because you told me to stop using drugs, right? <laughs> so what do you mean? And so uh, what that quickly made me understand was that I was the problem. It wasn't about substances. The substance is a distraction and really a symptom of what the real problem is. The real problem was me. And more specifically, when I say the problem was me, what I mean is that my belief systems and my behaviors were the problem. And those, those are the things that in the last 35 years, I have sought to change. And I've succeeded in changing both of those things, both my belief system and my behaviors. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, if, if, my, my next question was to ask you, um, what led you to seek help um, from addiction? Uh, you touched a little bit on well, it. Well, yeah. Yeah, sure. You can explain. Sure. Well, it, it's, it was two things. Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, nobody does this unless their life is painful, mm. right? You don't just wake up one day and go, oh, everything is wonderful. I think I'm going to change everything, right? <laughs> that's, just, that's not how it works, right? Yeah. So uh, my life was in a lot of pain. And the second thing was I, I basically, um, in a manner of speaking, I came into recovery through the back door. And what I mean by that is that I was with a woman that I had been with for a little while at the time, about a year and a half or so. And she turned out to be a heroin addict and a crack addict. Uh, she wasn't, she wasn't uh, bad when we first started. In fact, I, I, I don't think she was, she was even close to full blown when we first started dating. Uh, but we developed a relationship quickly. I moved in with her and uh, about a year or so later, she got hooked on heroin, and that led to her being hooked on crack. And she had a very severe substance issue. And eventually, on September 3rd, 1987, she entered a detox for 10 days. Now, what I thought to myself was, if she comes out and I'm still using drugs and drinking, she's going to leave me, right? So I was afraid of being alone. So the day she went in on September 3rd is the day that was my first day clean, uh, clean and sober, right? And I did not think that I had any kind of issue. And in all honesty, 
as I alluded to earlier, my problem was not substances. Substances were just an indicator, just a symptom of the problem. The real problem was me. But that's all I had to go on. I just, you know, my monkey brain said, hey, if if she comes out and you're using, she's going to leave you. When she came out, she followed the instructions and started going to meetings right away, and I went with her. And it was interesting because in those meetings, you go around and introduce yourself. You say, hi, my name is, and then you say, you know, and I'm an addict, right? That's that's the common way to introduce yourself. But I did not connect to that idea when when I first went with her. So I said, you know, my name is Chocolate Yoda and I'm with her, right? That was that was how I introduced myself for the for the first couple of months that I was uh, yeah. going to meetings. So here's here's what happened. Here's what got me to understand that I really had to make a change. If uh, you have not been to one of these meetings, what happens at every meeting is someone or several people will get up and what they, they call it qualifying, which is just a fancy way of saying, share your story, right? Mm. And people would talk about current day, what they were facing as challenges, or they might go back in the past and talk about how they were, whatever. So I heard dozens and dozens and dozens of stories because we were in meetings every day and we would hear three, four, five, ten 10 people give part of their story. Some people would speak for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, which was the featured speaker. And then other people would speak for two to three minutes from the side. So I just kept hearing story after story. And what was I hearing? I was hearing people describe how horrible they were, right? The horrible things that they used to do when they were on drugs and when they were drinking. And these stories were brutal. They were horrifying, like, you know, people talking about depraved things that they were doing when they were drunk and high. And after hearing these stories for two or three months, one day I had the conscious awareness that I did almost everything that these people were describing, but when I did them, I was sober. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, okay, so I did all of these horrible things, not not every single one I heard, but I did a lot of these horrible things that I heard people describing, but I wasn't under the influence of any drug or drink when I did them. So obviously, I'm the problem here, right? And once I understood that, uh, it it really changed everything for me, and that's when I became serious and committed to personal development. Wow. So, so did you have any relapses um, while you, you, you're going through the, um, what do you call this? Recovery. <laughs> Recovery, yeah, intervention, yeah. yes. Uh, no. I have been clean for 35 and a half years. Wow. And all because you just told yourself this is what you need to do. Well, yes. I mean, that was my conscious awareness. And and here's the thing. At the end of the day, 
it all comes down to a decision, hmm. right? This is what I want people to understand about recovery. It's not a complicated thing at all. Hmm. There's a whole industry behind it. There's a lot of coaches that make a living talking about it. Um, I don't feature it as part of my coaching unless someone needs it. But, you know, what happens when an industry is created is that something is made to seem complex because if it's simple, you don't need experts. And if experts are not needed, then nobody can make money, right? Yeah. So it's a very simple thing. It comes down to a decision. And what is a decision? So a decision is like an incision, right? So it's, uh, it's the root word of, uh, of scissor. Cesare, Cesare, right? And scissor to, to when you when you uh, make an incision, you cut into something. When you make a decision, you cut off from something. So when you make a decision, you cut off any other possibility, right? And so when you decide to straighten out your life, to improve your life, that is cutting yourself off from the way you used to be, mm -hmm. right? So once I made that decision that I was going to improve my life and change my mindset and change my behavior, I never went back. Now, I don't judge people that do. If you have relapsed, that's that's fine. I don't have a judgment about that. Um and, you know, you start where you stand. If you relapse, then you can make another decision to get clean again. I know people that have relapsed many, many times. Mm -hmm. And that's not the important thing. I always ask them, has your life been better since you got clean and started working on self-development? And if they say yes, then that means that their relapse was just a temporary setback. Now, for some re for some people, relapses can be a permanent setback because they die in the process of relapsing. But if you don't die, that means you have another opportunity to try again. Wow, th those are powerful words there uh, coming from you. And uh, your experience with addiction and recovery, how has it impacted you on a personal and a professional life? I don't really think about it in terms of my professional life, but of course that has been impacted. Mm. Um, but really it, it springs from the person, right? It all springs from you. So whatever other categories you want to throw into the mix are ancillary to the main thing, which is you. How does, how does it affect you? Well, I don't lie anymore. And I, and I mean to people, I don't lie to people anymore. Uh, that was another decision I made at 23. It's funny. I actually first made the decision not to lie when I was nine years old. I, I said to myself, lying is for babies, right? <laughs> and it was a well-intentioned decision at nine years old. I was a very introspective child. I thought about things all the time. And I thought that lying was not a good thing, that it was for babies. And I started telling the truth. And when I was lying, 
I was lying to get out of trouble, to avoid being in trouble. And I was very successful at it. I was actually never caught in a lie. Don't do all. Don't do all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially when you're a child because you don't know how to handle the emotions that come with getting in trouble. So you lie to avoid them. That's why it's funny to me when people say children are so honest. I say, no, they're absolutely not. They're truthful, which is a different thing. Um, if you, if you ask, you know, if a child sees a fat person, a child will say you're fat. That's truthful. Mm -hmm. If you ask a child, did you break the vase? They'll say, no, that's dishonest. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so I, I was dishonest to, to stay out of trouble. And what happened was the moment I started telling the truth, I got in trouble and I said, well, I'm not telling the truth anymore. And so for another 14 years, I kept lying. And then when I got clean and sober, I decided that the, the first thing that I had to do was be honest. So that was the first impact that it had, that I decided to become an honest person. And I'll give you an example of what that looks like. You know, um, very often women will ask a man, do I look fat in this? And the, the response that most men give is no, no matter what the truth is, right? Because yes, sometimes you do look fat in that. Like, and if you're a fat woman, and by the way, I love fat women, so I'm not judging them either. But if you're a fat woman, the answer, do I look fat in this is no, you look fat in everything because you're fat, right? Yeah. Now. I, I don't want to say that to a woman. So my first thing that I say is, do you really want me to answer that question? Because I will. I'll answer that question if you really want me to answer that question. And I have trained people to decide that they don't want me to answer a question sometimes, <laughs> which is fine with me. You know, like, um, it's not, you know, some, some people will say, no, you know what? Don't answer that. Right. And that's fine because that gives them an opportunity to be honest with themselves rather than put the burden on me to be honest. But if someone says, do I look fat in this? And I ask, do you really want to answer? Do you really want me to answer that question? And they say, yes, I do. I say, Yes, you look fat in that. And I don't have a problem with that, you know, and that that's because being honest is important to me. And that has cascading effects. Like you asked about my profession in business, of course, that becomes a very important thing as well. You gain a reputation for being honest, you know, and because it's unusual. The reason why it impacts your business is because it's unusual for people in business to be honest. So when you're honest in business, you get a reputation for being honest. Um, but that's just one. That was the first way that impacted my life. Um, but the other way that it impacted my life and, and probably uh, the most significant way, because it, it's had really the longest lasting effect, is that it made me constantly look to improve myself. 
right? So every single day, and I'm not exaggerating, I do something toward personal development every single day. And over a 35-year span, that obviously accumulates and makes you a much better version of the person that you were. Like, I am nothing like I was when I was 23 years old. And that's a good thing because, you know, Muhammad Ali said something that I love. He said, if you're the same man at 50 that you were at 30, you've wasted 30 years or 20 years, if I do math right. <laughs> that's, that's profound. Yeah, it is. A, it, it would be a, a waste because um, I want to agree with you. Personal development is very important. And it also gives you confidence. It also gives you uh, respect, you know, in the community. Because if, if I was that person 20 years ago, um, I don't know if I would have any respect, you know, from my peers or any, anyone else. But thank you for, for explaining on that. Now, let's talk about um, those that are really into addiction, right? We have a question here from one of our listeners. Um, he says, how can you help somebody who is on drugs, but they're not willing to accept that they need help? Technically, this, you can't. This is quite a personal question. Yeah, te technically, <laughs> the, 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 the short answer to that is that you can't. You like think about anything that anyone mm. is doing. It doesn't have to be drugs. It could be anything. Mm. It could be overeating. Uh, it could be stealing. Like it's not all about substances, right? Like uh, there mm. are people that are addicted to stealing. That has nothing to do with substances. There are mm. there are people that are addicted to washing their hands. There are uh, people that are addicted to gambling, right? None of these things has anything to do with substances. Yet the result is the same. If you don't want to change, you will not change. So if your goal is to change somebody, guess what? It's not going to work if they don't mm -hmm. want to change. It doesn't matter what you do. There have been people that have uh, lost marriages. They've, they've lost families. They've lost cars and homes and jobs. They've lost virtually everything. Uh, been, you know, sleeping on the streets and they still won't stop because they have not decided to stop, right? So you can, you can hold an intervention if you want to, like you can make the effort because at the end of the day, we're only responsible for the effort, right? So if there's someone in your life that is addicted to anything or is exhibiting any kind of self-destructive behavior, you can put in the effort to help that person. You can make yourself available to them. You can do interventions. You can decide to cut them out of your life just to bring the point home that you, you will not tolerate their self-destructive behavior. But if that person is not willing to change, ultimately, the outcome is not up to you. So put in the effort lovingly and in a caring way, and that's a wonderful thing. But don't be connected to the outcome because it's the outcome's not up to you. Mm. Yo, that's that's a hard pill to swallow, because I'm thinking if if that's your your child that's addicted, 
what do you do as a parent? Same thing. They, they, Same oh thing. No, the answers don't change depending on the circumstance. Mm. You can't it, it, it is. It is. Oh, look. What what have people done in the past to deal with their child? They've scolded their child. They've uh, punished their child. They've uh, cut off money from the child. Sometimes they 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 uh, cut the child out of their life. They've thrown the child out of the house. They've done all of these things, and the child has not responded because the outcome is not up to you. I didn't say it would be easy. Yes, it's a hard pill to swallow, but too bad. Hmm. Let's backtrack a little bit um, before you, you, you went into recovery. You you saying um, the problem was you. It, it was not the substance, not the drugs, right? Uh, that that I, I understood. But the things that you were doing, um, were you able to let them go completely, cut them out of your life, or are they triggers? You know, and and because now you're conscious about what had happened in your life, when you have those triggers, you you know how to react and. You know how to identify them before they even become triggers. Does does that happen to you now? I have no triggers now, but I understand your question, and it's a smart question. So in the rooms of recovery, they tell you that the three things that you have to change in order to be successful are people, places, and things. You don't associate with the same people that you did drugs with or drank with or exhibited your your self-destructive behavior with. You avoid the places that you used to go because chances are the people are going to be there in the places that you used to go. And you don't do the same things that you used to do, right? Now, for me, I decided that my recovery was not going to be conditional. Some people have not made that decision. They'll hmm. say they'll in the back of their mind, they have a reservation that tells them if this thing happens, I'll use again, I'll start doing drugs or drinking again, right. Hmm. But one day in New York City, I heard a woman and I think I was, I was in recovery about a year, year and a half at that point. And this woman said, my apartment building caught on fire two weeks ago. And my child died in that fire. Now, a lot of people that would assume that the rest of that story was she decided to start using drugs again. But what she said was, I didn't use that as an excuse to start using again. And so I heard this and I said, well, there goes every excuse that you could possibly have. Yeah. If you're yeah. not going to use because your child died, then there is no other reason that I can imagine that would motivate you to use. So that was very instructive for me because even though I, w I wasn't consciously looking for an excuse to use again, Obviously, the fact that this woman had an impact on me by saying that meant that subconsciously there was something in my head saying, yeah, if it gets bad enough, you can go back to it. 
right? Mm. But then I realized, yeah, I mean, you know, my highest aspiration in life is to be a good father to my son. And I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to have a child die. It's unnatural. It's not supposed to happen. The circle of life means that the, the father dies before the son. And literally, it's something I can't even think about because I, I've tried thinking about it and I just start to cry. So I realized that in the back of my head, there was that thing that said, if your child dies, you, you're allowed to use drugs again. But that woman took that away, thankfully. So to me, again, once you make the decision, you cut off all other possibilities. So I decided to stay clean. And, and by the way, here's, here's my big secret. Because sometimes people get impressed. Oh, my God, you've been clean 35 years. That's amazing. Hmm. No, it isn't. Because 35 years is just an imaginary thing, right? Time is just something we invented human beings, right? That's just something we invented. Why? Because it makes things convenient. Like if I say to you, Nay, well, meet me uh, by the big tree, and you say when, and I go, I don't know, whenever, that's going to mm -hmm. be difficult to coordinate, right? So we invented time so I could say, Nay, well, meet me by the big tree at 1230, and boom, we now we have time. And then we have, oh, let, work starts at eight and ends at five. Okay. Now we all understand what we're supposed to do, but time is imaginary. So all you really have, all any of us really has, no matter what is right now. So if you want to stay clean, 35 years, 50 years, 75 years, a hundred years, here's the secret. Just stay clean now. That's all you have to do. Just stay clean now. That's it. That's the big secret. <laughs> wow. Wow. And <laughs> you know, you just, you just highlight something very, very important. And, and I, I think we at times use time, you know, as an excuse. And, um, like for instance, if, if, if I was using drugs and I stopped using drugs and I'm counting my time that, um, I, I've, I've been clean for five years. Right. And then I hit a relapse. Maybe there's a trigger something happens in my life and then I go back there. You know, I, I even become worse. And you said something now that some don't even recover from the relapse because they die, you know, let's say I recover. And now to myself, the five years that I've been clean has been a waste because now I, I'm looking at my relapse more than the whole time that I've been clean and doing everything possible. So I like how you put it, be clean now. So now is the important moment for anything. If you want to break from anything, you know, um, substance abuse, any, any, anything that, that you want to break free, any addiction, now is the time. Yeah. And there's and never it, been, yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to test that or challenge that or tell me that I'm wrong about that. So let me, let me ask you two questions. Yeah. Um, can we be in yesterday? Never. Okay. Can we be in tomorrow? Mm -mm. Right. So yes, yesterday is gone. 
and can't be changed. And tomorrow is literally a fantasy. It is just a figment of our imagination. They're literally, have you ever woken up in tomorrow? No. Right. Every time you wake up, it's today. Right. Right. So tomorrow is just a fantasy. It's, it's any, anything that's not now is your imagination. I mean, it's that simple. It really, so people can challenge me on this and people have challenged me on it. And that's what I ask them. Can you be in yesterday? And can you be in tomorrow? If the answer is no, which it always is, then that means that now is the only thing. And, and there's a song quote. Uh, it's actually a lyric from a song that I absolutely love. And it, it's um, in the context of a relationship, but it really is uh, something that can be broadened out into the conversation of recovery and time. And uh, the band is Culture Club, and the singer is Boy George, very famous singer. Mm. And the lyric is, time won't give me time, and time makes lovers feel like they've got something real. But you and me, we know we've got nothing but time, right? So have you ever asked someone, are you happy in your relationship? And they say, oh, we've been together 20 years. That doesn't answer the question, does it? Right? Right? Like, and I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed by how long people have been together. And I've had long-term relationships, but they, the time doesn't mean anything. According to the lyrics, which I believe, the time doesn't mean anything because I've known people that were married 30, 40, 50 years that were miserable together. They hated each other. I've known people that stayed together just because they were afraid to to do anything else. They were afraid to be alone or they whatever it was. Sometimes it's a financial thing. Whatever the thing is, it was fear driving it, not love, not appreciation, not happiness. Oh, you know, we've been together 25 years, but we've had 15 good minutes. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Um I must say, uh, you 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 quite right by saying it doesn't matter how long you've been married. Um, I don't want to give out how how long I've been married, but yeah. But I I I, I learned to understand that the moment in time is what matters. You know, we we build memories of what had happened. It's, it's fine, something to reflect on. You know. Um, to think, okay, we used to be happy, we used to do this, we used to do that, um, and now we're not doing it. So with, with the recollection of those memories, you can make your present better in that you're looking at, at it and, and saying, because we have not been doing this, this is where we, we're at this point where we're breaking up or you know we're miserable. But if we keep doing what we used to do, right there when we we started meeting each other that will bring the spark on so for me that's how i look at time in a relationship that you creating those memories to help you with the present in order to to assess your life and how to make it better and you're also looking at the future as how you can make this last although we don't have control of the future Tomorrow is, is ne- right. not determined. We don't know if we. I, I'm going to wake up for tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I know 
if I'm awake today, I'm awake and this is the time to do th- what is right. And that's how I right. look at it. Yeah, and no, that, also, that, I like that perspective. Yeah, yeah. And also with, with those that are, um, you know, uh, struggling with recovery, I think that's, that's, that's the how, that's how they can look at it too. You know, I've never had to go through a a process like this, you know, of going through recovery, especially substance abuse and drugs. But I'm assuming that also works that you looking at yourself right now, what you're doing right now, that's what is important. Not what you did yesterday, because yesterday has passed. Can you do better now as we speak? And if, if you can become strong at this present moment, then you're looking at the future as a person who can make it. You know, it builds your rapport, it builds your um, your confidence that I can do it because I've done it now, I'm doing it now. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and, and I would say this too, again, just to, just to test the theory, mm. the time theory. If time guaranteed me anything, then mm-hmm. I would not be able to use drugs again, right? But I can if I want to. If I decide to use drugs, it won't matter how much time that I've been in recovery. Same yeah. thing with a relationship, right? It doesn't matter how long you've been together because every day in the now, you Mm. have to decide to be with your partner and your partner has to decide to be with you. Mm. And, you know, there's an old saying, it takes two to tango, right? That's a relationship metaphor, right? But I've added something to the end of that metaphor. Yes, it takes two to tango, but it only takes one to end the dance, right? Because if you woke up today and you looked at your partner and said, I don't want to be with you anymore, your partner wouldn't have a choice about that right? you And same thing, if you woke up today and your partner said to you, I don't want to be with you anymore, you don't have a choice about that. So time doesn't guarantee you anything because, you know, people wake up one day and they say, this is over. Relationships end all the time. And it doesn't matter whether you've been together five months or 50 years. They can end in a moment. Because time is a fantasy. It doesn't guarantee anything. So just be focused on now. Just when you wake up, do I want to be with this person? Yes. That's it. That's all you need to know. And if the answer is no, then you have different choices to make. Sure. So for the benefit of those that um, are currently joining us or who just joined us, we're talking about the journey um, of recovery. Um, we all need to walk the journey of some sort. You know, you don't ha- it doesn't have to be recovery from substance abuse or drug abuse. There's a journey of almost anything in the system of life. So if you walk the journey, what I'm picking up from our discussion here with Chocolate Yoda, um, if you're wondering who I'm speaking to, speaking to what, what I've picked up is that now is what matters. If you are able to take control of now, then you're able to do anything. You know, you're able to win over an addiction of any sort. Because if you have a relapse, 
relapse is happening now it's not happening tomorrow it's not it doesn't ha- it didn't happen yesterday it's happening now so taking control of now is what will help you survive win over any addiction of of any sort yeah so if you do have any questions um from telegram or even uh, on riverside you can raise your hand on telegram you can t- uh, type on your uh, chat box there on riverside and then we'll be able to to ask our our, our guests here uh, yeah. on the show and while we're waiting okay. to see if that happens i i want to uh, I, I, I want to just quickly um uh define the word recovery because it's an interesting word to me i looked it up yeah. early on and it means to regain uh, recapture or return to a previous state of health or being right mm-hmm. so w- what all that meant to me was that i was never trying to become something that i never was i was mm-hmm. recovering the way i used to be because i didn't start off as a miserable sad person right mm-hmm. or an addicted person or a self-destructive person we're not born that way right so i was trying to recover that previous state of being and health yeah spot on so we do have um a hand uh, maybe a comment or a question from Rhys. please unmute yourself and uh, we'll take your your comment Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure. Uh, thank you, uh, Neo, for the great show. And thank you, uh, Mr. Chocolate, for a brilliant, a brilliant journey to, to recovery. I was listening to you. All I can say is, wow, you've done a remarkable job in that process. It's almost unbelievable but yes now we can believe it because you just did it so uh my question uh we will have like two sub questions uh two parts of question first uh i'm thinking of the covid19 pandemic confinement a couple of my patients more than half of them who actually successfully break from uh, addiction for many years, some for just a few months, but they they did relapse during the confinement, during COVID-19. And they've got various reasons. I don't know, uh, because it was difficult for them uh, to go through that difficult time. And that time was actually unbearable for all of us. The isolation, everything, the stress level, all together. So I would like to know, how did you cope during that time? That's first question. Second question, uh, it's a bit uh, technical. Uh, we've got three, almost three stages of, of, of relapse. The first one is an emotional relapse stage. The second one, it's a mental relapse stage. And the third one, it's a physical relapse stage where where actually you, you're going back to relapsing. So I'll, I'll focus on the second one, I uh, know on the first one, an emotional one. How do you cope when you are, I know you, you, you uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I think, I believe you, you might have gone through some, some stages where you feel like 
you you want to go back you you're fighting with your emotions of 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 trying to to hold on uh, but the feelings of trying to go back uh, to to the addiction is there so how do you try to to cope when such feelings it came to you i've been listening thank you so much thank you dr reese um i should have actually addressed you as dr reese um thanks for for that um, question okay so um that, that was those were very long questions but um the 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 part about isolation yeah um and by the way, excellent question. So thank you. And thank you for the kind words about uh, my performance so far. But um, isolation is a very challenging thing for every human being. Although I would disagree with your assessment that COVID was unbearable for all of us, because obviously that's not true. Many of us bore it very well. Now, why is isolation a problem? Why, why is it a challenge? Um, I'll give you an example, because when I like to think about things, I have a tendency to compare them to other things that I understand to help me understand the new thing. So why did so many people have such difficulty during the lockdown and the isolation? Well, think about a prison. You deprive someone of their liberty. You tell them that you, you're going to go to a building that you cannot leave and you have to sleep in a tiny room with bars and you don't have a choice about that either. And you don't have a choice about how much time you spend in, behind those bars. And we're going to put you in a building that has murderers, thieves, and rapists there. That sounds terrible and prison is terrible, but that's not the worst thing that they do to a person. The worst thing they do to a person is put them in solitary confinement, right? So cutting people off from other human beings is a form of torture. It's a form of punishment. In a, I mean, you're, you're already being punished by being in prison, but to torture you, they cut you off from contact with other human beings. That's how stressful isolation is. Right now, I said earlier that once you make a decision, you cut off any other possibility. So for those people that used isolation as an excuse to relapse, that was because they had not made a decision. They had they had stopped using, but they left a reservation in their mind saying, basically, if, if it gets bad enough, I'm going to use again. Right. As opposed to saying, I'm going to stay clean no matter what. Those are two different types of decisions. And I'm not judging one or the other. I'm just saying this is how it happens. And the second part was about the stages of relapse. And those are the stages that uh, are true for anything that happens in your life. And I have a, my favorite quote ever. I've actually done podcasts about this quote and articles about it. I got it in 1986, right before I got clean, actually. And the quote is uh, from Paul J. Meyer, who uh, was uh, a businessman and a public speaker and a, and a motivator. 
And he said, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. And that covers all the stages of what you described earlier uh, in relapse, right? It, it, you said it started with your emotion, then it goes to your mind, and then it goes to physical reality, right? So that's what happens when, when you know, you, you think about it. And you, you go from casually thinking about it to vividly imagining it. And then you go from sort of desiring it to ardently desiring it, you know, vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, which is this, this is something that I have to do. And then finally doing it. So, you know, with anything, all of any question that anyone could ask me about why someone stays clean as opposed to relapsing all comes down to decision. If you, if you decide that you're going to stay clean, you will stay clean. If you decide that there will be a good enough reason for you to use again, you will use again because you're going to hit that reason. You know, so my, my recovery is unconditional. There is nothing that I can use as an excuse. I can still choose to relapse if I want to, but there is no excuse that I would use. If I relapse, it will be because I decide to relapse, period. There, it won't be because, oh, something happened or I feel some way, therefore now I have the right to use again. You know, so I, the power is within each individual. We either decide to do it or we decide not to. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for, for that answer. Dr. Reese, I don't know if you've been thanks able to answer that. Thanks for answer. No, you're welcome. Thank you. That was well said. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, what you just said, you just nailed it on the head because I'm thinking of, of things that one one struggles with, you know? Um, and if you have made a determination and you have decided yeah you can win over anything I, i'm thinking about you know people who are um let, let's take politicians oh right? boy <laughs> <laughs> which i don't want to go deep into it but but you take a politician uh who's a staunch politician and they get caught um, and then they persecuted and all of that, right? And they will not renounce their stand. It doesn't matter how hard they've, they've been beaten or been treated or isolated because they had made that decision and it was it's a resolution that sticks. They will never budge. And I'm thinking to myself, if, if I do have an addiction, now that addiction or that decision that I take to stop it, and it has reservation in it, then I will definitely relapse. But if I don't have any reservation, and I'm fully convinced that what I'm deciding is what will be beneficial for me, then the chances of relapse are, are, are less to none. And you also know the triggers, you know, you avoid them 
you said something very very profound that during recovery you change your place your people and what i think you mentioned things people places and things and things exactly so you avoid them like a plague those will be <laughs> your triggers <laughs> so if you can avoid them like a plague you will be successful and and i think that's what i'm taking away from this discussion that we having um if you do have any comments uh, last comments maybe closing remarks on on this topic please uh, you more than welcome to chocolate thank you um i want to briefly discuss the idea of the difference between a decision and a choice hmm. henry kissinger once said that the lack of alternatives dramatically clarifies the mind so with choice you can lose clarity right there's psychological studies about this to verify what i'm saying for instance online dating the more choices you have the more challenging it can become at times right and the difference between a choice like let's say you had a choice of what to wear today right no big deal you could have put on any any of the clothes that you own and you had a choice right until you made a decision once you made a decision then this is why we see you dressed the way you are because again a decision cuts you off from any other possibility right so some people and again i'm not saying this with judgment i'm just stating it as a fact as i believe it some people treat recovery as a choice other people treat recovery as a decision when you treat it as a choice that leaves the room for relapse right when you treat it as a decision then there's no room for relapse so that's my secret my secret is that i made a decision and there's one more definition i'll give you and it's not a dictionary definition it's uh, the definition to integrity integrity is adhering to a decision once the emotional condition that led to that decision has changed so again i was 23 years old when i decided to get into recovery and i was in a lot of pain and i was suffering at my own hand but i am not that person anymore i'm 58 years old actually a few days from turning 59 and obviously i'm not in the same emotional situation or condition that i was when i was 23 but because of the integrity of my decision i've adhered to the decision so i hope everyone understands what i'm saying is that it ultimately comes down to you you have no excuses you are not a victim nothing is happening to you no one is doing anything to you it's all based 
on what you decide to do. So if you decide to get into recovery and stay clean, you will be clean forever because you will always be clean now. Thank you so much, Chocolate Yoda. Um, I, I I now see why you you coined yourself as Chocolate Yoda. I mean, the <laughs> I remember I didn't do it to myself. Someone gave me that nickname, but I I love the nickname though. <laughs> I, I'm glad you you hung up to it. It's it's yeah the the wisdom that that I'm I'm, I'm getting from this discussion. It, they they're very powerful, and um, it just makes me think a lot on a lot of things in my life, you know, and I hope even the listeners would also reconsider our, our decisions, you know, what, 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 are, what are we going through and make a, a proper decision on doing things and stick to it. And I loved it when you said decisions cuts off any other possibility. And if, if I do, if I make a choice, then a choice will have multiple things that I have to choose from. And that's why at school, I didn't like uh, these questions with multiple choices. They always confuse me. <laughs> you have to ask me a question. One question. Don't give me possibilities because now you're confusing me. And, and such is life. If we have too many possibilities, um, we don't make a decision. We do a choice. We choose. And choosing... We can always come back and say, no, you know what? This doesn't work. Let me do this one. But if I've, I'm sticking to a decision, then I have no choice. It's done. It's a done deal. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a great lyric from the band Rush. And they say, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> nice closing words from you, Chocolate Yoda. And thank you so much for uh, to everyone that had joined us on Riverside and also on Telegram. Thank you for your comments as well, or questions, and those who also sent uh, on WhatsApp uh, the questions. And uh, we do have uh, these type of shows every Mondays at 6.30. Um, I was speaking to uh, my fellow podcasters overseas. Uh, I, I think you struggle, up with, you struggle with 8.30. You, you rather have it at 6.30. Well, some of them were saying, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not like soldiers here <laughs> and talk about 1830, but we, we talk about 630 and we, we, we're right there with you. But this is the time that we have our live shows. And if you miss the show, it will be recorded. It will be on, on our pod, podcast platforms and also on YouTube. So thank you for joining us. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. And this is Naomara Pedi signing out from the show. Mm -hmm.